Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
series, Everyday Life series on how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical principles from Genesis to Revelation. It's under our Everyday Life category, and you can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. I'm excited about this series because we're both going on some sort of scavenger hunt. I've been doing some study on it and I've picked up some real nuggets on each of these topics, work, money, business, investing, and leadership. I'm still on a journey of discovery, but I thought I would invite you to come along with me. I've read a whole lot of books and I'm sure some of you have as well on each of these topics and there are thousands of self-help books out there. But I decided to consult the Almighty, God Himself, on this subject, and I say, Lord, I've never really gotten to know or understand what your teachings, what your principles, what your strategy is, how your teachings from the Bible can even be applied to these areas of my life, work, money, business, investing, and leadership. So I asked Him to teach me. So I myself, I'm still taking this class. I don't know when I'll graduate, because <laughs> there's a lot to uncover here. But all I am doing during this series is sharing what I'm discovering. I was going to hold off until I reached the end of Revelation, but the first discoveries blew my mind. I was mind blown by the first discoveries that I went, I've got to share some of these principles. I was amazed at, at how God thinks and, and his thought process and patterns. And I could start to, to map them out. So I thought it was really unique. So there's a lot that God's revealing to me. And I myself, I feel like I've been doing so many things wrong when it comes to work, money, business, investing, and leadership. I'm learning and applying these principles on the fly. Some of these principles might sound familiar, but that's because as we trek along, you'll discover that most of the self-help books out there are actually derivatives from the Bible. But I kind of wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And one of the things that I like to do as a Christian is apply the Bible to my everyday life. Not many Christians approach the Bible like this. If you're going to tell me that this is the Creator's handbook to all things that pertain to life and godliness, then I want to know how it applies to my everyday life. I mean, I want to know that if I'm in a corner, if I'm in a tight fix, if my back's against the wall and I need wisdom and that's the only way out, I want to know that I can open up this handbook and of course with the power and help of the Holy Spirit and find answers to the problem that I'm dealing with. So first we shall spend some time decoding one of the most important books of the Bible and of our history as mankind. However, our approach and intent are going to be different from what you would expect. And that's why I believe this series is for everyone, because we're going to look at the Bible as a textbook, as a manual. We're going to trek from Genesis to Revelation, 
decoding God's thought processes and patterns, and see how we can apply them to our everyday lives in area of work, money, business, investing, and leadership. So after we decode God's thought processes and patterns during creation, we shall comb through the rest of Genesis to Revelation and covering more of God's thought processes and patterns and see how we can apply them to our everyday lives. Without further ado, welcome to Everyday Life Biblical Principles on how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical Principles from Genesis to Revelation. Episode 4 of How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership. Biblical Principles from Genesis to Revelation. Today's episode is about principles 9 and 10 that we decode from creation. We are continuing to uncover God's thought process and patterns during creation. We hope this episode blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Welcome back to episode four of How God Thinks About Work, Money, Business, Investing, and Leadership, Biblical Principles from Genesis to Revelation. This series is called Decoding Creation. We're decoding creation and we're trying to see how does God think about work, money, business, investing, and leadership? What principles can we get from the creation story so we've been talking about the first 10 principles that we can decode from creation as i just said god's thought process and patterns and how we can map them to our everyday lives in our last episode we covered principles seven and eight 
These are some of my favorite principles, actually. And principle number seven was the light principle. And principle number eight was the separation principle. So let's just briefly recap what we said about them. And then we will move on to the next, uh, the last two set of principles. Principle number seven was the light principle. And we say that principle number seven, the light principle, after God had, after he knew what the core fundamental problems were, he, the, the fast solution, the fast implementation was the light principle let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that he was good and he divided the light from darkness. Now to us, we say that the light principle is a mindset and attitude and should be our first call to action when problem solving, because we see God doing this again, the light principle is a mindset and attitude, and this should be our first call to action when we are problem solving. So God's first strategy was bring in light, illumination, sight, clarity. So to us who might not need physical light, we need mental sight or mental light, or we need mental illumination. We need to see, we need clarity to see our way forward. And we say that light to us can be understanding, knowledge, wisdom, power, energy, or information. We said the light principle is very, is very key for us because when you are in a tight corner, when you're in a situation, uh, a tight situation usually means there's some things that you are not seeing. There's a darkness of knowledge. That's why our first call to action should always be, okay, these are the problems that I have, but now the next, next, the first call of action after identifying the the core fundamental problems is I need some light. So you should be thinking, let there be light, the light principle. And principle number eight was the separation principle. And God used this a couple of times. This is very neat. If you, it, it was very neat. If you kind of look at it and, and you can kind of take a step back and see that all throughout creation, God kept on using the separation principle uh, more than a couple of times, actually. So the first time that he used the separation principle was actually when he was using the light principle is after using the light principle, it says God divided light from darkness. Hmm. So he divided something from something, separated something from something. And then his next course of action after uh, creating the light was he created the firmament. And what did the firmament do? The firmament separated the waters, which was a problem. So he said, let there be a firmament and an expanse of the sky in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters below from the waters above. So that was the separation principle. But so we say that when light was created, light came in 
but he didn't completely eradicate darkness, but he created separation. When the firmament was created, it didn't completely eradicate the great waters. What did he do? It separated them. So one of the key takeaways for us should be, for us, light is knowledge, light is insight, light is clarity. But in order to know how much light you need, you need to apply the separation principle to all of your unknowns. You need to separate, you need, you need to create a separation between what is known and unknown. So as, as human beings whose knowledge and wisdom aren't infinite like God, uh, this is me going, okay, I do not know the complete purpose of darkness or water. So I'm going to create something that separates this obstacle or thing into two. I'm going to create something that moves this thing off to the side as I make my way forward. So, and one of the things we're talking about was uh, you, with the separation principle, what you're essentially doing is that you're creating partitions within the problem like God did, and you will be on your way to innovating, to, to solving problems, to, to building things. You create partitions within the problem. And we also spoke about that you can start by doing some inventory and creating a checklist. And we say checklists reveal your blind spots. So you create a checklist about what you know and don't know about this problem, situation, business idea. We said you can also apply this to a relationship by asking, what do I know or do not know about this person? Uh, you can also ask, what is available and isn't available to me in terms of resources? What is the required knowledge? This is you applying the separation principle. Is you start to say, this is what I know, this is what I do not know. And also remember that this ties into one of our key principles that says you cannot get answers to questions you do not ask. So that's how you can be practical about applying the light principle is saying, okay, light principle is that it's saying I need information, knowledge, wisdom, power to come in. But how much light do I need to come in to separate this darkness? Well, start applying the separation principle. Then you'll start to see, okay, this is the amount of information I need. This is the amount of resources that I need. This is the connection that I need. That is light coming in by applying the separation principle. So once again, the separation principle, it didn't when it was applied for both light and the waters. And as we shall see, it didn't completely eradicate the problem, but it separated what was known from the unknown. It created a separation between what is known and unknown. So we are going to talk about principle number nine which is God's creation strategy, uh, his innovation process. And that's where we're picking up that the, uh, the lot, we're just doing a recap. So here we go. So today's principles is, uh, we'll introduce principle number nine and 10. So principle number nine, innovate and build with God's three stage innovation process. Now, the, you could all you could certainly take principle number nine and turn it into like so many other principles, but I kind of want to make this 
uh, easy. Maybe there'll be another series where uh, we 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 are getting feedback on how people are applying this and kind of just specifically dive in on this. So principle number nine on its own has so many principles embedded in it because it's a whole flow process. So when we look at the flow of creation from day one to day six and how it was laid on top of each other, we can see that it was a three-stage process. And I think it's better, it's more accurately uh, stated as a three-stage concentric innovation process. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll see what I mean. So there was essentially three steps, how God got from, okay, this is my vision, create the heaven and the earth. And there was three steps, three stages that he progressed through to go from there being not, not, not from there being nothing in the fashion of his final vision to creating everything, like to, to everything being finished and him saying, okay, and God's everything that he created and it was good and he rested. So, but here's how we can summarize it. So step one or stage one is the first thing God did was he identified and dealt with the fundamental or core problems first. And you can see that was in itself, uh, I believe, principle, one of the first principles. Yeah, that was principle, uh, identify, deal with con uh, fundamental core problems was one of our principles, uh, probably principle number three. But anyways, so that's the first thing God did. So we see that in stage one, God was dealing with fundamental core problems. And by day number three, all the fundamental problems have been dealt with, but not completely. So step one is the fundamental problems have been dealt with, but it's mainly been applying the separation principle. They haven't been completely dealt with. So we have light separated from darkness. We have the waters that are separated. And now what was really unique is why I call this the three-stage concentric innovation process is that when the separation principle was applied to the waters with the firmament to say, okay, this part of waters move there, this part of waters go up, this part of waters come down, what that did is it created dry land. It created dry land. So in essence, you, you kind of have um, a small, it, it's, it's, like, it's like you first have like this small circle, circular innovation, but the next innovation is just built by extending the smaller one. But somehow, that pattern is still duplicated like in one corner and then duplicated again in another corner and again duplicated again in another corner all within one big circle. So these, these, these different concentricness that we see that causes innovations to come up. And, and, and I hope I'll, I'll, I'll be able to 
capture this more clearly. So if you can't really imagine how the concentricness is coming about, for now, just stick with, okay, three-stage process. So first stage is dealing with all your fundamental problems. But you don't have to be concerned about not completely solving them. That was what was really unique in this when I when I was when I when I was really trying to understand it is by day three the fundamental problems have been dealt with but not completely. So, and I think the reason as to why they haven't been dealt with completely is because now the next set of innovations then comes from that incompleteness. So then st step two is turn turn step one solutions or stage one solutions into production centers. That was also really cool. So step one, you first deal with the fundamental problems, so you kind of solve them. And then you're like, okay, I've solved them to the best of my ability that I know how, but how do I move forward? Well, what God did, he's, he turned all step one solutions into step one or stage one solutions into production centers and and this is how this this is how how we know that he did because innovations were pulled out of the first innovations we already said that was concentric but check this out all step all stage one innovations or solutions were turned into production centers at stage two so for land um which came as a result of the waters being separated, God said, land, produce vegetation. Do you see that? Land, produce vegetation, produce plants and trees. And then he said, firmament, this again was a solution from stage one, produce lights, produce the sun, moon, and stars. And then again, waters. Remember, this waters um, uh, is is also kind of was in stage one, but the waters have now been separated. But he goes and says, waters produce living creatures, sea creatures, and winged birds. And then he comes and says, land produce living creatures, livestock, creeping things, wild beasts. Now. We should also make a note that uh, further, further along, when man was created, the raw materials for man also came from the dust of the ground. So in stage two, we see God taking everything that was created in stage one and saying, I am going to turn this into production centers. I think that was very unique where he said, OK, land, you're not just going to see idle. I'm going to pull vegetation out of you. I want you to produce vegetation. I want to pull plants and trees out of you. Firmament, I'm going to pull lights out of you. Lights came from the firmament. I think you're now starting to see how that concentric nature comes out, happens. I'm going to pull lights out of the firmament. I'm going to produce the sun, the moon, the stars out of the firmament. It's not like the sun, like, a, like another canvas was created. And then the sun came out of that. No, 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 no. The sun, the moon, and the stars came out of the firmament. Now, living creatures, sea creatures, and winged birds came out of the waters. Living creatures such as livestock, uh, livestock, 
creeping things, wild beasts came out of land. So we see all stage one solutions being turned into production centers. Then step three, God takes us, takes it to a whole nother level. Step three is what we call embed the SSRRE code before consumption. What does this mean? Step three, embed the SSRRE code before consumption. Now, SSRRE stands for sustainable, scalable, recyclable, renewable, and efficient. Now, again, what's really cool is that God embedded the SSRRE code in, in step three, God embedded all of these into, into the, the production centers. And he did this before consumption. So he did this before consumption, basically before God took his products that he had created to the consumer, to man, to the animals. He first embedded sustainability, scalability, recyclability, renewability, and efficiency into the production centers. Now, this is, this is, this is thinking on a whole nother level. If we can start to build companies thinking like this, this changes the whole dynamic of everything. Because so many times right now, what I'm seeing with a lot of companies and, and with the way we're doing things is that people are trying to slap um, uh, sustainable, scalable, all of these as an aftermath. Well, the consumer is already consuming the product. And so now it's like, We'll bring it back and now let's, um, you know, make it sustainable. Let's make it recyclable. Let's say. But of course, I do understand that there's a lot of new companies that are, are being birthed from the inception that are developing products with SSRRE codes embedded in them, which is unique. And we should do that. But you can see that God did this way at the beginning. And this is how we should have been thinking the whole time. So the question to ask ourselves at step two or stage three is how do I make stage two, uh, how do I make level two or how do I make step two innovations sustainable, scalable, recyclable, renewable and efficient? How did God this do? How do we see this in action? How do we see God doing this? So God didn't just create hubs and stop there. Remember that when he turned the land into production centers, he said land produce vegetation, produce herbs, produce uh, plants and trees. But he didn't just stop there. When God created, when God created herbs, he created herbs that yield seed. Do you see that? It's 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 sustainable. It's scalable. He created herbs that yield seed. The seed wasn't gonna come from somewhere else again you can see that even at stage three he's adding that concentric innovation that concentricness of of pulling the next thing out of the former thing so he's not saying that okay you were just a harp and now i need something else to give me seed to make you harp no 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 he's saying you are a harp but also produce seed 
this this is even more clear when when we look at the fruit trees so he created fruit trees that yield fruit whose seed is in itself again that is mind blowing like right now we look at these things as uh as it just looks not you know because we're so used to it of course they always say innovation makes sense in hindsight you know like like of course like when you look at a car with like four wheels you're like yeah of course a car should have had four wheels or maybe when you look at a fruit a, 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 like a fruit and they're like of course it makes sense that the seeds should be inside but god thought about this this was this was very unique he created fruit he created fruit fruit trees that yield fruit whose seed is in themselves now when he created lights he embedded he embedded long term usability into them he encoded sustainable renewable into them he said lights i've created lights it says light and then light now out of light here's the sun the moon and stars out of out of the firmament uh, the sun moon and the stars now he says light divide the day from night so he he gave lights the the lights that he created the sun moon and stars purpose he encoded sustainable and renewable into them because we know that they're not running out like the sun is not running out of energy though some people believe now that's a conversation for another day that uh you know some get harder and at a certain point after eons and eons of time of, of billions of billions of of, of of years the sun will burn up now he said lights i want you to divide day from night give light to the earth mark seasons mark days and years so what we call time today when the sun goes down and you know just the, the time what we call our 24 hour clock the seasons what we call winter summer um january february uh if you if you're moving on the 21st um on the uh i believe it's the gregorian calendar yeah if you're moving on that kind of calendar this calendar is embedded right here from where god says divide day from night give light to the earth mark seasons days and years so again this is he's embedding he embedded long term usability into them he encoded sustainability and renewability into them now when he created the first pairs of living creatures he didn't stop there and then have to keep coming back to create like god didn't create let me say um let's just take creating human beings adam and eve god didn't create adam and eve and then come back and say okay now i created mother and father now i'm going to come back and create uh son and daughter for adam and eve no you see when god created the first pairs of living creatures he didn't stop there and have to keep coming back to create he he said be fruitful multiply and fill the waters in the seas and multiply in the earth he added the ability for reproduction to come from within the things that he the first pairs that he had created 
everything seems like it was so efficient and is so when you look at it at the whole scope of God's creation you can see that he encoded the full SSRRE code into his final product basically the final product uh being uh the living creatures man uh man and woman he embedded all of this into not just that but you can see in the animals as well he he did that for the lights he did that for the fruit trees the vegetation basically everything was embedded with the ssrre code uh he made it, he made all he made his final products sustainable scalable recyclable renewable and efficient now of course these are the terms that we use today and that's that's of course the whole point of this is to go and look at how it was done then and map it into the common language that we use today. So in hindsight, you can see that what we would call today a sustainable, scalable, recyclable, renewable, and efficient is exactly how God did this. So all to say that there, there is an expectation and long-term purpose and usability that we see God embedding into the dna of his creation at the final stage at stage three we see again just to reiterate there is an expectation and long-term purpose and usability that we see god embedding into the dna of his creation at the final stage before he takes off his hands and says okay now you can go we, we clearly see that. And also notice that overall, none of these innovations were passed on for consumption without stage three completion. That was very intriguing. So basically, God didn't put his product as we would just to use everyday terminology God didn't put his products into the market before stage three was done. Consumers and consumption came after innovation stage three. There were no living creatures created and neither was man created until stages one, two, and three had been finished. You see, Man wasn't created before a sustainable self-producing food ecosystem was in place. No. And God made sure that this was in place before he said, now you can eat, be fruitful, and multiply. So before God set other natural laws in motion, Stages one, two, and three were finished. Consumers and consumption didn't come until after innovation stage three. So that was very interesting. And now, of course, in today's climate, it, it might be a challenge if you are, because if but I mean, with the way things are going, um, a lot of companies or products are being built 
from from inception with uh, stage three in mind. So that is good. But we can clearly see that God said, um, let me first handle all this, you know, like we're saying for, 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 for man. Uh, he wasn't created before sustainable self-producing food production. For self-producing, <laughs> so many, so many words here. Before a, before a sustainable self-producing food ecosystem was in place. So we can apply uh, principle number nine, which is in itself a whole number of uh, principles just to, to different things. You know, how we do work, how we're building companies, how we're innovating how we are solving problems i believe principle number nine which is the three-stage innovation concentric innovation process that god used is something that we can apply to different business models and one of the things that i'm, I'm looking forward to is sitting down with uh, some people and seeing how, how they apply this and we will be uh, doing some interviews with some People, some companies uh, that are applying this and, and, and we can kind of get to share that feedback with you as well. So why was why did God embed basically the SSRRE code or why did he apply stage three to his creation, to his product before consumption? Like he could have first created the you know, like the herbs and without seed, without any ability to reproduce or, you know, but why, why didn't he do that? Well, the answer is simple. It's because God was avoiding what, what we would call today recalls. God was avoiding recalls. God was avoiding shortages. God was avoiding waste, side effects and all the inefficiencies that we have in today's production cycles. You see, God, God was avoiding everything that has become uh, kind of like the theme of the, of the current social climate, which is of course, uh, renewable energy, um, renewable, recyclable, uh, dealing with waste shortages, all of this stuff, God was avoiding all of it because God was thinking, if I create man and man sets eating food, well, where's the other food going to come back? Where's the other food going to come from to feed him? You know, where is the other food going to come from to feed these animals? So let me first make sure that the first trees, the first plants, that they have this ability to, to reproduce uh, with seeds in themselves and then i can create man and then tell man hey you can go food is ready <laughs> so contrary uh, contrary to popular belief god didn't rush to the market now as as an entrepreneur this is a big challenge to me because it almost feels like god didn't rush to the market because most uh, business hubs will tell you, you know, 
one of the strategies is first to market. There's always this thing called first mover advantage. So which is the first person to get into market. There's an advantage. I guess it's only an advantage. But I think it, it begs to give it some thought and say, let me really try to think through some things and, and see how much SSRRE I can embed into my products before I take them to the, uh, to the market. Because you, once your consumers, once your customers start to consume your product, you're going to basically come back and run into the same problems that you could have dealt with at the beginning. You know, you're going to deal with recalls. You're going to deal with shortages. You're going to deal with waste. You're going to deal with side effects and all kinds of, of inefficiencies. So I would encourage that you embed one of the SSRRE codes into what you're doing. Uh, sustainable. Basically, sustainable is think endurance. Like when you're thinking about endurance, you're saying, is this space that, I, that, that I'm producing this, is this sustainable? Like think sustainable is that is this pace sustainable like that when you think sustainability you're thinking along the lines of endurance now when you're thinking scalable you're thinking in terms of multiply you know that's another key principle uh that was principle number four productivity by multiplication when thinking scalable thinking in think in terms of multiples like can you produce or duplicate this in multiples Recyclable is, can this go back into the ecosystem? I mean, we can look at all living things. Like when all living things die, they, they go back into the ground. They go back into the ecosystem. They go back into the earth. That's recyclable. So they go back into the ecosystem. And now renewable. When you think of renewable, think... Can we do this again? You know, can I replenish? Can can we restore? Can we repeat this? That that think think about think you know think about it along those lines. Can can I do this again? Can I replenish? Can I restore? Can I repeat this? And then efficient is the manner in which you are doing it. Efficient is the manner in which you're doing it. You see, God created and gave things the ability to reproduce after their kind. I mean, God didn't go and say, okay, so, I mean, right now we have, you know, in in in, in, in dealing with livestock and, and dogs and all of this. But you see, God didn't say like, like, I want, if I want another dog species, like, I'm going to need like a dog and... <laughs> and a cow you see no things reproduce after their own kind that was embedded into them again right now it looks like of course that's how it should have been that's how that, that's how it works but trust me like if god had made it possible think about it that human beings could come or be born like like you had, like you needed a man, like, let me see. And let me say a dog to have another human being. Like that's not efficient. That's not even beautiful. So, <laughs> um, 
basically he, he all things that were created he gave them the ability to reproduce after their kind and, I, and i'm pretty sure there's a reason as to why that was done and 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 that's that's also we can go down that rabbit hole but basically when you're thinking efficient think the manner in which you're doing it so this leads us to the last principle that we can decode from creation for now. Principle number 10, self-check or do an internal quality assurance. After every completed work, this is very, this is self-check or do an internal QA after every work that you do. Now, this is I, I this might seem like a principle that you can just gloss over, but I think this has a lot of significance. There is a self-check or quality assurance principle embedded into every work completed. God does like a like a self-check. Uh, he, he doesn't kind of self-check after every completed work. What do I mean? Listen to this. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says, And God saw that he had made, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, suitable, pleasant, and he approved it completely. So then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. But it says he approved it. So this can also be an attitude that we can apply to how we think, how we approach problems. You know, how, we, how do we use this in the marketplace? You know, it's very easy for me to take work that my boss gives me and just do it and then just send it back to him. But I think quality, before, before quality is shown on the outside, the final quality that you see in a product that you like comes from a series of internal quality assurances. It comes from a series of internal quality assurance. So just to use another example, when, when they were building the, uh, I don't know if, it, um, I know one person who was always big on this to use, to use an example that a lot of people might be familiar with was, was Steve Jobs. There's a story that one of the people when they were assembling, I don't know if it was the iPhone or the MacBook, basically they they were trying to, they made the outside pretty, but the on the inside, the wires were just mumbled up, like the circuit boards were just crossing over each other and all of this. And 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 and, and Steve Jobs kind of like had a big issue with this. He told the, the people who were assembling um, the, the product, I believe it was maybe the MacBook or maybe the fast PCs uh the macintosh and he said just because your customer isn't gonna open it up to see what is inside doesn't mean that you don't 
tidying up or have a beautiful design on the inside as well. But where did Steve get this from? Actually, it turns out that when Steve Jobs was growing up, um, I think his, 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 his father, and I think it was his stepdad. Anyways, he said his stepdad uh, one time told him that he was asking him, he, he was wondering, like, why should we paint the, the inside of the fence? The, the, he, was, he, he painted the fence, and, and I think he only painted the outside. And he told him, just because the same quality you put on the outside, put that same quality on the inside. So he told him, paint the fence on the outside and the inside as well. You know, painting the outside is good for the people who sit on the outside, but paint it on the inside for you as well. So for God to take a step back and approve the work that he did and say, okay, this is good before I pass, in, I pass this on to the people I'm creating, that, that carries a lot of weight. And I believe this can apply to how we approach work. So the final product that your company is going to produce in the market is going to come from a series of self-internal checks. The very first person who came up with the, the concept, the, the idea, before he passes on to down to the line manager, is saying, is this good? Do I approve of this? And if it passes that check, then you pass it down on to the next line manager if they do the same thing and whatever work they add on top of it, they also go, does this pass my internal approval system? It's not that does this pass the boss, the boss's approval? No, no, no. Because if you only go with, does this pass the next person's approval system? That means there's, a, there's an approval, a quality assure, a quality assurance that you're leaving out if you don't attach your own approval onto the product that you're passing down the line. So we see God take a step back to evaluate his work after every stage of creation, after every stage of creation, after every completed work, it ends with the phrase, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good and he approved of it. So God created the light and, say, and says, God saw the light and it was good. Why God doesn't just throw around words carelessly? In fact, the scripture says, by every word you shall be condemned and by every word you shall be justified. So to God, every word counts. So for him to say that he looked at it and it was good and for that to be mentioned in scripture several times it means there's so much significance in it and for me it was just like oh my goodness at first when i looked at this i, I thought a bit more of like oh it's it's you as a company adding your own quality assurance and of course you have people who come to test the product is it is it good does it work that's true but there's an internal approval system of the person who created it to go this is good. It, you know, it's kind of like when you test a meal. Like, think about it like a like a chef. Like when a chef makes a meal, the only reason the chef, literally, this I think, um, cooking is probably the best example. 
The only reason that the chef really puts food on the menu is because the most most times good chefs really believe that they there's something unique about that food. They've tested it and said there's something in this that I've never tested elsewhere. So now I'm going to create a menu around it. Honestly, the only reason we have thousands and thousands of restaurants, think about it, is not because it's because there's someone else who comes up and says, I tested what you made. It didn't pass my internal approval system. So I'm going to make something that passes my internal approval system. And eventually you see that the every person that comes up and says, I think I can do better. I think I can create a better meal, a meal that tests better. You know, like whoever kind of keeps on doing that and doing that, you know, sometimes ends up having a five-star restaurant. Five-star restaurants are not created when someone comes and creates a recipe and then he goes out and has uh, a thousand people try it and then they say, yeah, this is good. No, 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 no. When you create a recipe, it's built in-house. Before you put it on the plate to take it to the customer, it has satisfied your own internal quality assurance. You've given it your own approval and you're saying, man, this is some good stuff. And then you create a menu around it. And then if it was really good and unique, you start to see thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of people line up for your food. So whenever you're thinking about principle number 10, think of it in terms of a chef or someone who's developing a new recipe. I think this is really unique. So upon contentment to his own God's standard, that's when God proceeded to the next task. Now, of course, he is God. And the chances that he made a mistake were slim to none. He had spent eons thinking about every single detail, but he just goes to show us about his meticulousness. He always took a pause and self-evaluated before moving on. Again, principle number 10 is a character trait we can learn and put into practice even at work. If my boss gives me an assignment, a task, before I submit my work, I should probably ask myself, have I done my best work? Is it good enough? And if I'm in any context of work, business or service, if I'm in any context of work, business or service, I should always self-evaluate. And if the work I'm submitting doesn't pass my own quality assurance check, I should probably not submit it or serve it. So likewise, we need to self-evaluate before next i think you can you can either i think there'll also be a really unique way of referring principle number 10 self-evaluate before next so principle number 10 self-evaluate before next so do an internal quality assurance after every completed work do an internal check and if your work doesn't satisfy you don't move on to the next task Thank you for tuning in to this episode. It's been amazing covering the 
principles that we can decode from creation. So just in summary, just to recap, uh, or what we can call our uh, takeaway strategy, uh, right from the beginning, we've decoded that we need a clear vision plan laid out as clear as you can make it. Then we need to identify the fundamental problems, the core problems. We need to ask ourselves, what are the core obstacles between you and this vision? Uh, we remember the first innovations, inventions, the first course of action that we take should directly relate to solving existing fundamental problems. And then we need to remember that you need illumination, you need visual clarity to see your way forward and ask, and, and, and this is basically, you need light. You need to apply the light principle, but how does light come in? We need to apply the separation principle. How can we use the separation principle? Separation principle is how we separate what we know from what we don't know. And we can do that using a checklist uh, or inventory, an inventory checklist about what we know, what we don't know about the problem, what is available to us, what isn't available to us in terms of resources, what is the required knowledge. Uh, another takeaway was we need to apply the three-stage or three-step uh, concentric innovation process. And what does what does this look like? Step one of this is deal with the fundamental core problems first. Step two, turn step one solutions or stage one solutions into production centers. Step three was embed the SSRRE code before consumption. That is sustainable, scalable, recyclable, renewable, and efficient. And then last, do a quality assurance after we completed work. Basically, principle number 10 self-check before next that was all the 10 principles that we have from decoding creation and i look forward to the next series where we're going to be decoding something else so once again just to recap we have 10 principles principle number one was we need a clear vision and a plan principle number two was identify the fundamental or core problems Principle number three was you are a natural born creator or creative because the God who created you created you in his own image and he is a creator. Principle number four was productivity by multiplication. Be productive, but how do you do that? Think in terms of multiplying. Think in terms of multiples. If you have two, start it out with two. Think, how do I make four? If you started out with five, Think, how do I make 10? Principle number five was be resourceful. Be resourceful. There's lots of resources available to you, and you can only be resourceful by applying the uh, a couple of principles down, down the line. But principle number five was about being resourceful. God expects us to use all the resources he's made available to us. Likewise, think outside the box and find out what are all the resources that are available to me. Principle number six was you can't get answers to questions you do not ask. Principle number seven was the light principle. Light to us is knowledge, wisdom, information, power, energy. Principle number eight was the separation principle. Principle number nine was follow 
God's three-stage innovation process, principle number 10 was self-check before next. Basically, do an internal quality assurance. Once again, this has been Decoding Creation. And we have been going over the principles, the biblical principles that we can map out from the creation story and figure out how does God think about work, money, business, investing, and leadership by decoding creation. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you on the next series of Decoding. Bye for now. This was episode four of Everyday Life Biblical Principles on how God thinks about work, money, business, investing, and leadership. Biblical Principles from Genesis to Revelation. In this segment of Decoding Creation, we have uncovered a 10 principle combination from how God created the universe that will revolutionize how you think. To recap, these were the 10 principles. Principle number one was you need a clear vision and plan. Principle number two was identify the fundamental or core problems. Principle number three was you are a natural born creator or creative because the God who created you created you in his own image and he is a creator. Principle number four was productivity by multiplication. Principle number five was be resourceful. Principle number six was you can't get answers to questions you do not ask. Principle number seven was the light principle. Principle number eight was the separation principle. Principle number nine was innovate and build with God's three-stage concentric innovation process. Principle number 10 was self-evaluate before next. We hope this episode and segment of Decoding Creation blessed you. Don't forget to share feedback on how any of these principles are impacting your day-to-day through our social media and email. You can find them on our website, jf.foundation. That is j-a-e-f.foundation. Your host for today was Calvin Cabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next series of Decoding How God Thinks.
us is not a single one Who agrees the things you've seen and visions can be done So you gotta realize that the truth that makes you wise Also makes your faith right Cause you just might be the one to listen and obey Despite the doubt and all the uncertainty Significance is not built on what meets the eyes Who you are and how far you are So mistakes you made in your past If God be for you, he got your back Like a coat tag, trust me you can note that In him there is no lack You can drink from his fountain, Zion's mountain with no cash Man, your life is on smash But you in your room with a box of tissue wipers Sniffles wishing for your tomb But the sky is the limit, God knew you from the womb You got your eye on the clouds, they trying to give the moon So step back for a second and realize your purpose Yeah, people gon' talk but no God's plans are perfect Get the shares here to tell you when you're trying to cross an obstacle Know that God is with you, he will make it all possible hey. 